This is Sam. This is Paul. And this is Southpaw. Hey, and one more thing. If you love the show and want to support us, go to patreon.com slash southpawpod. Hey, this is Paul, and I will be covering the fight study for UFC 240, where Max Holloway defended his title in a unanimous decision win against Frankie Edgar in Edmonton, Alberta, Canada. Sam can't be here, but he is with us in spirit. Since this is the only matchup I'll be covering, I'll go further into the habits of Max Holloway and Frankie Edgar, as well as looking into the fight as a whole and what each fighter did well in the fight. To get a little bit further into Max Holloway, you have to understand that this man is on a tear and he is by far the most winningest featherweight in the division. Max Holloway is also one of the tallest fighters in the division at 5'11", but his reach is surprisingly short at only 69 inches. One of the things that even casual observers will notice is his constant use of the jab. Holloway's pace is simply overwhelming and it doesn't give you time to adjust and adapt. When Holloway jabs, you can be sure that a right straight is soon to follow. In addition to making your life miserable with this simple one-two, Holloway loves throwing hooks and will often mix in hooks off the jab to the body or head, and he's not shy about doubling up on either of those. Now, before TJ Dillashaw and Dominic Cruz, Holloway became the de facto king of stand switching. Holloway is completely comfortable fighting you from either side. And what's scary is that he's effective at both. Even if you're thinking of stalking Holloway simply by moving forward, good luck. Holloway does a great job of staying disciplined and rarely moves straight back, opting instead to take at most two to three steps behind before circling off laterally, usually hitting you with a counter as you continue to move in. So when you look at his fights against someone like Jose Aldo, Aldo is at his best when he's bombarding opponents with power strikes and leg kicks. But in order to do so, he's operating on a hair trigger at all times. Holloway was able to beat him both times by taking advantage of this by advancing forward with his lead leg turned slightly outwards in a more squared stance, ready to absorb the kicks. Holloway knew that he would have to be on extreme alert early in the round since this is where Aldo is at his most dangerous, and he was correct. Now, Aldo and Edgar aren't exactly the same fighter, but when you compare opponents that each guy has fought multiple times, he becomes the guy you use to contrast. Now, Edgar is a workhorse who lives and dies by his discipline, and you could see that in both his wins and losses. Standing at 5'6", with a 68-inch reach, he'll have to make sure that he can get inside the range of Holloway if he wants to do any real damage. Now, one of the best things about getting an opponent to commit to a strike is that it exposes their hips for a takedown, and that's exactly what Frankie does. Frankie doesn't need to get the fight to the ground. He simply wants you to think that he does. 
even if he's not successful in completing a single or double leg takedown, Edgar has now incepted the idea in your mind that a takedown is a real possibility. If the opponent is able to successfully defend a takedown, either through sprawling or through clinch work and making sure that you can't get to his legs, Edgar will hammer you with quick punches after releasing the legs or the hips. And at any point in the future now, even simply dipping lower than usual will have the opponents overreacting to a potential takedown. This level change got to guys like BJ Penn, Uriah Faber, Cub Swanson, and Jeremy Stevens. And they all got caught clean by various punches and kicks that Edgar set up with these level changes. A fairly common follow-up to his level change is Edgar's doubling or tripling up his jabs to the face and body, and has worked in almost all his fights. On the occasion that Edgar isn't able to lure you into a double leg takedown, he does a fantastic job of incorporating the knee pick into his grappling game. It pairs nicely with his jab and is a real threat since the opponent isn't sure if Edgar is reaching for the head or the shoulder to set up the takedown. Against Faber and Penn, Edgar was able to use this consistently since it didn't rely on the explosive power that you would normally need for a double leg takedown. And you could still score with the jab if the takedown fails. So Holloway, as great as he is, has looked vulnerable in spurts, especially due to his stance. Because he's so jab heavy, he'll leave his lead leg open and orthodox out for far too long. Being reliant on the jab means that you're sacrificing your lead leg to be punted out. And it's something that Edgar has demonstrated a knack for in the past. Now, Edgar has shown many opponents that he can dictate the range pretty well, since he either has to stay all the way out to avoid getting picked apart, or all the way in your face so that his reach becomes viable. By mixing in his wrestling chops, Edgar presented a ground threat that none of Holloway's past opponents have shown, not even guys like Brian Ortega. Now, Holloway has an excellent takedown defense, not just because he prevents your hands from clamping together, but Edgar is great at the knee picks, like I mentioned. So when you get into the matchup itself, there's some strategies that Max Holloway could use for success and Frankie Edgar could use to snatch a title away. So let's go round by round and see if we could spot some patterns. So in round one, both fighters come out orthodox, but Holloway is known for stand switching. Holloway's constant lateral movements is excellent, and it keeps Edgar from blindly approaching. Edgar's takedown to punches are also effective when he engages, but Holloway does a good job of dissuading that by throwing uppercuts, and because he throws a jab right away, he leaves his hand open to underhook immediately. Edgar's classic double jab is also there in round one, but in order to make sure that Edgar doesn't get too close on the inside, Holloway's body shots are also on point. And when both Edgar and Holloway start throwing combinations, it's fairly even in round one. Now, because of Holloway's jab-heavy stance, his lead leg is open to low kicks, and Edgar takes advantage of that. However, Holloway mixes up his jabs and straights to the body. And the first round is both guys going back and forth, doing what they do best, and it's pretty close to call. Now, for Max Holloway, 
if he loses a round, it's usually the first few because he's getting a sense of your style, your timing, and your rhythm. So if it's close to call early on, it means that unless Edgar starts to switch things up or decides to come in with a slightly tweaked game plan, Holloway is already reading you. His fight IQ is very high, and Holloway is known for adjusting in between the rounds and calling audibles to change up the game plan. And in round two, we start to see that both guys aren't orthodox again. It's a bit surprising that Holloway hasn't relied on stance switching yet, and for most of the part, he stands in the orthodox stance. Now, Holloway with the uppercut to the body is a constant fixture in this fight, and it's his money shot. This is also the round where Holloway throws more jabs and really tries to get a better read on Edgar's timing. Holloway's jab is more frequent, and he's able to hide it well with his movements. Now, Holloway really likes mixing in body strikes, and now he starts stalking Edgar in spurts, as opposed to before when he allowed Edgar to lead in. This had shades of the same game plan that Max Holloway used against Jose Aldo. By letting Aldo come to him, he was able to tire him out and get a better sense of his breathing patterns, his footwork, what his habits were, as well as trying to time his attacks. Now, unfortunately, Frankie has a bad habit of attacking in a straight line. And for a fighter like Max Holloway, who likes pivoting away and lives by lateral movement, Edgar had a much harder time connecting those shots. Now, Edgar's usual habit of striking into takedowns isn't as successful since Holloway's footwork keeps him out of range. Holloway also does a great job of just getting out of the way of return fire, similar to how he did against Ortega. Holloway will fire off a couple of strikes, anticipate a return and slip, and then finish off with a counter. Starting from round two, this is where Holloway is definitely finding his range and timing, and Edgar is running out of ways to surprise Holloway. Now, going into the middle of the fight at round three, both guys are still pretty fresh, and Edgar realizes he has to try something different. He shoots for a takedown early, but Holloway moves, and Edgar isn't able to connect. This is a pattern that keeps occurring in the fight, and throughout 14 takedown attempts, Edgar is only able to land one, and it's in this round towards the final seconds. Now, when Edgar throws in combinations and mixes up his low and high attacks, he does pretty well. Unfortunately, it's when he exclusively headhunts that Holloway is able to get a better read on him and counter. And whenever Edgar does shoot in for a takedown, he'll get into the clinch, and when he breaks off, he can land a couple of strikes. However, by the third round, Holloway has figured this out and he counters when they come his way by throwing knees and hooks. Now, Holloway also frames very well, and this is one of the areas where Frankie's size keeps him from going even further. Because at the very least, if the guy seems to sprawl, both his opponent's legs are so far out that Edgar can pump back up and throw some strikes. But because Holloway frames him up, it becomes much harder for Edgar to throw successful strikes on the break. Now, when round four starts, you could tell that Edgar's corner is letting him know that he's probably down and it shows. 
by now, Holloway is also doing a much better job of striking off the breaks, and Edgar's keeping note of that. Even though Edgar likes slipping and his jab is much better in this round, it's not enough to give Holloway pause and really rethink his strategy. Now, Holloway also seemed to abandon the constant jabs that gave Edgar trouble in round two for some reason. But it's fine because now Holloway has a better read of Edgar's timing. So he might feel that even if he's not constantly stalking and jabbing, he's daring Edgar to come forward and attack him in a straight line. Now, towards the end of the fourth round, Holloway finally starts throwing some volume. And this is where it gives Edgar issues because he's not ready for that sensory overload. Holloway might have stolen that round and probably so because he figured, okay, I'm going to let Edgar try his attacks, see if he does anything different. And if not, I'll just turn it up in the last minute and make sure that he can come out and finish strong. Round five is more or less the same. And there hasn't been that much of a strategy shift in Edgar's corner. This is unfortunate because the things that Holloway did well to prevent Edgar from winning were written out previously by guys like Jose Aldo. A lot of the things that Holloway did to beat Jose Aldo were present here. So when Holloway fought Jose Aldo the first time, he did a better job of feinting, jabbing, and keeping him out of range and he allowed Aldo to come towards him. So that way, whenever Holloway would start throwing attacks, it forced Aldo to counter and fall just a little bit short where he could retaliate again. Now, obviously, Edgar and Aldo are completely different, but shades of that strategy were there. Now, even though Holloway didn't throw the jab as frequently as he did against someone like Ortega, it's still something that gave Edgar a lot of problems. And it's been there before. When you look at his matchup against BJ Penn and Jose Aldo, when the jab is thrown frequently and there's not a lot of power behind it, it doesn't give Edgar the opportunity for him to duck down lower into his opponent's hips. And because that opening isn't there, Edgar is forced to fight on the outside. And as mentioned before, Given his 68-inch reach, he doesn't have the best time when he's fighting from the outside. Now, despite dropping down from lightweight, Edgar is still somehow undersized and it showed against one of the biggest guys in the division. In addition to being troubled by the jab, the lateral movement of Holloway was giving Edgar a lot of problems. Edgar still chased Holloway on a straight line and this is a habit that Aldo exposed in both of his fights with Edgar. Holloway is known for taking just a few steps back before angling off to a side, and he did this time and time again. The other neat trick that Holloway did was wait for Edgar to start moving in on him so he can hit him with intercepting strikes, making a much stronger impact. Now, some of Frankie's best moments were the low kicks and combination works whenever he got close enough, but they were few and far between. And it just looked like once Holloway figured out Edgar's timing and rhythm, it was just the Max Holloway show. And outside of a close round one, the rest of the fight wasn't even really close. Now, as far as where the fighters go from here, Max Holloway is king at featherweight. 
And if he's able to match up well against Volkanovski and even beat him, it's really going to come down to maybe another contender or two before he has to move up to lightweight. And let's say Korean Zombie is able to beat Brian Ortega in September and he gets lined up as the next title challenger, Holloway would have effectively cleaned out that division from top to bottom. And there's not a lot of challengers for him left at 145. But at 155, that's where things get a lot more interesting. Now, I don't want to get into the details of the Chris Cyborg-Felicia Spencer fight, but I just want to note that the commentary from Joe Rogan was quite bad, more so than usual. Now, despite the fact that Felicia Spencer did a good job of hanging in tough and not being knocked down and flat out destroyed, there was at no point when Cyborg was in real danger other than maybe the cut trickling into her eye and getting a doctor stoppage. She hammered Spencer throughout the fight. And after a while, it just looked like Spencer was a punching bag. But if you only listen to audio of the fight, you'll be convinced that Chris Cyborg was gassed, Spencer was hurting her, and it was a much closer fight than it actually was on paper. I don't often talk about bad commentary from Joe Rogan, but lately it's been pretty pronounced and it's become harder to ignore. With that said, goodbye.